0: (laughs) Welcome to our new Freedom Series, Free from Duplicity. We're so glad you're here today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for each one that's come. Lord, reveal any parts in our hearts where duplicity prevails. And Lord, Lord, may we become people of integrity exchanging duplicity for integrity. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a theme verse this morning for our new series, and it's taken from Proverbs eleven three: The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Simply stated, at the extreme, duplicity is living a double life. That's the extreme. And on the other end of the spectrum could be examples of simply trying to be what you're not in a given situation. Being a poser, if you will, a pretender, if you will, in different ways, in different levels of expression. The most extreme example of duplicity that I've ever seen it was in a young man that I met years ago, and he's given per- me permission to share, but I, I still won't use his name because I don't think that's important. But it was the most extreme example of duplicity that I've ever seen. This person was truly living a double life. And one of the things that I noticed as I got to know him better and as he invited me to be a part of uh, helping him enter into a life of freedom from duplicity and other things, one thing I noticed is I don't see how he does it. I mean, it's not only wrong what he was doing, and I'll describe that in a moment, but I don't, I don't see how he, he, he can do it. I mean, the energy that it must take to live the double life he was living, how does he do it? But of course, it was more than just fleshly power that he was operating on. And unfortunately, that's part of the enablement that allowed him to do it. But in his case, his uh, duplicity was uh, acted out in an immoral lifestyle. This had been going on for 15 years. And uh, it wasn't uncommon for him, if you can imagine this, uh, they're having a family gathering at his home, a given situation. It could have been celebrating a birthday. It could have been a summer picnic. And his wife would ask him, Honey, would you go get some ice cream at the grocery store? And he would go, and before he returned, he he would have a sexual encounter. Now, it wasn't uncommon for him to go to the dry cleaners and have, before he left, to have a sexual encounter. He could go into a restaurant, a bar, a public place, and he said, I had the ability to see the women that were weak and vulnerable. Now, we also know that that was discernment that was extracurricular, and uh, the enemy was definitely enabling his pathway to destruction. But he came to me, and he wanted to be free. And of course, I knew that there was a demonic factor, based on what he began to describe. But I knew that he needed to become an active participant, and that's one of our themes in freedom is not just to pray for you, as wonderful as that can be, as uh, important as that can be, and God is an imparter, and God is a revealer, and God loves to set the captives free, and, and he's the one that does anyway. But not just a prayer time, which eventually came for him, unplanned and spontaneous, by the way, but on the way to his day of deliverance, I invited him to become an active participant in his deliverance, which included him having to take a look at the issues of the heart as to what was going on in his life that was feeding that was feeding this life of duplicity. Where was that coming from? What was that rooted in? And that's part of what we want to talk about here. And freedom is a part of a bigger picture here, We want people to be set free to be who they've been created to be, free to love, free to be loved, free to give, free to receive, free to live like the son or daughter you've been created and destined to be, fully alive and free. I know what it's like not to be free. I know what it's like to be free. I know what it takes to be free. And that's what we talk about on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Another part of freedom that David Anderson and Pastor Dave Collins lead and Cheryl Geralt's as well. And then another part of freedom, still a third part of freedom, freedom appointments. That as a person steps into the flow of Sunday morning or Wednesday night and they decided more, They they decide for more, they desire more, they want more, that's wonderful, then through pastoral care, by calling the pastoral care office, you can schedule a freedom appointment. I don't recommend that necessarily being the starting point, because I believe that the starting point, ideally, needs to be here on Sunday morning. That's why we call this the truth encounter, because we want to lay a foundation of truth and perspective so that you can become a part of the solution so that you can process the issues of your heart and forgive others even as you've been forgiven and, and, and see what it, what it really means to be free from shame and rejection as a participant, agreeing with God. True humility is agreeing with God. Pride is, thinking either, pride is either thinking too highly of yourself or too lowly of yourself or too much about yourself, always on your mind, but humility includes Agreeing with God, which agreeing with God may mean you have sin in your life today and you need to repent. (laughs) But agreeing with God could also include you're a son or a daughter of the king. Quit beating yourself up. (laughs) Quit living in the past. Quit setting standards that God isn't setting. Receive his forgiveness. You can be free of that shame, that rejection. Humility is involved in that. So this is a process now, it's, your process is going to be marked with days of revelation, days of breakthrough, and it's going to feel like you're getting saved all over again. But there's always more. There's always more, because he is the God of more. He's infinite, so there's always more. We're finite, so there's always more for the finite. So yes, breakthrough from heaven. Yes, prayers of deliverance. Yes, revelations from above. Yes, yes, yes. But as we move along, participation participation. Our part is participation. You could be drowning today on a lake, heaven forbid, and someone throws you a life ring. In order for you to be saved, you have to grab a hold of the life ring. That's participation. Or somebody could swim out to try to rescue you, and if you fight and you struggle and you won't let them rescue you, you would endanger their lives as well. We must participate. We can't make it happen. We can't will it into being. But we can cooperate. We can participate. He will. <laughs> he, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the deliverer, he will participate. You can count on that. But here we are again today, another aspect of freedom. And I just described the extreme. And I'll unpack that more as we go along today. But on the other side of the spectrum, or maybe somewhere in between, maybe that is more of a description of you. So on this spectrum, this this scale of duplicity, we could uh, characterize it as being hypocritical. Now keep in mind, hypocritical is pretending to be something you're not. Sometimes people think that entering into a worship service where there's happiness and joy and people are dancing up front and you're thinking, I don't even feel like being here today. I didn't get any sleep last night. I haven't been feeling well. I don't even want to be here. I don't even feel like being here. I don't praise the Lord. In fact, I think if I praise the Lord right now, if I begin to participate, if I began to, to sing and clap and raise my hands, it would be, it'd be hypocritical. I would propose to you today that is demonic logic. Because he is worthy to be praised, whether we feel like it or not. Bless the Lord, O my soul, whether you feel like it or not, soul. Body, bless the Lord. Soul, bless the Lord. Spirit, bless the Lord, because he is worthy to be praised. It's not hypocritical to give him the praise and worship he deserves, whether we feel like it or not. So I want to expose some demonic logic here today. Because I think those that are of a sincere heart, those that are of an obedient heart, sometimes put a label of hypocrisy on them that isn't applicable. But, of course, there are those that are pretending to be something they're not. It's intentional. Hypocrisy has to do with the motives of the heart as well. And, of course, cunning could be a part of duplicity. Deceptive. Double-dealing, doing the opposite of what one pretends to do. Doing the opposite of what one pretends to do. Being a poser, I've mentioned that, another way of pretending. Pretending to be a particular way in order to impress others or to stay out of trouble, but in secret, doing the opposite. Living a double life, like the person that I mentioned. The duplicitous person is unfaithful at the core. Even when knowing the right thing to do, this person will choose to yield his or her flesh, choose to yield to foolish, a foolish and flesh-driven way. You know, the interesting thing of it is, is that uh, the person that I mentioned earlier, really didn't want to be the way he was. Sometimes the way he described it, he'd be driving along in a car, and he said it was just like somebody else, it was just like something in him that wasn't him, took the wheel and wanted to go where the action was. He didn't want to be that way. So one thing that could characterize the duplicitous person is that they haven't necessarily sold themselves out. They're not necessarily... Uh, their, Their conscience isn't necessarily totally serious. They haven't necessarily totally abandoned themselves to depravity. There could still be that, I don't want to be this way, but something happens that I don't want to happen, this urge. I feel driven. I feel like something's taking over. I feel like I can't help it. I feel powerless to stop. And so was part of his description. Now, some would say, oh, it's not, it's, not a, it's not an ability thing, it's a willingness thing. See, he didn't have to go to the scenes of temptation. He could have chosen not to. Yes and no, in his case, because he had allowed himself to be so grooved in this fleshly behavior, the issues of his, sor- of his heart were so out of sorts that it was not only a willingness factor, but it was also an ability factor. And that brings up a point where, in some cases, it may be the starting point in your deliverance, your freedom, to start with a prayer time. When would that apply? It would apply if you need Increased freedom to choose and cooperate because someone, some people are in such bondage, they're so clouded over, they're so confused, they're so immobilized. The imbi- their ability to choose what God wants and what they know to be right is so impaired that they need increased freedom in the area of ability. I think of an extreme example that we heard of years ago at one of the Vineyard Conferences in Anaheim, California in the late 80's. John Wimber was the senior pastor at the time and I think Jack Deere may have actually been the speaker and Jack has been here. And he was talking about, it was either Jack or one of the other speakers, but anyway that matters not. He was talking about a situation where this person was in such demonic bondage that his wife called in a panic and said, to the pastor. Can you come out now? I don't know what's happened to my husband, but he's crawling around on the floor like a spider. It's bizarre. And, of course, one of the things we've talked about is that part of the evidence that the enemy is involved is it's bizarre, either relationally or the phenomenon at hand. Well, anyway, the pastor and a couple others came out, and obviously, uh, This person was not in a place of mind and heart that he could be reasoned with or entreated. The ability was severely impaired. So they weren't going to counsel him into freedom at that point, though there's a biblical basis for counseling, but they weren't going to counsel him as a next step there needed to be an intervention there needed to be an impartation there needed to be an anointing there needed to be power from above to break the bonds of the 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 bindings of the enemy enough 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 not totally completely enough so that he could participate, and in this case, they did. They prayed on the front end, front end. He was freed enough to communicate, to interact, and then they led him to the Lord. <laughs> and then the deliverer moved in, and then they moved on from there. So I wanted to mention that for a balancing perspective there. But I think day in and day out, my preference would be that if you're seeking greater freedom in your life that you'd start on Sunday mornings. And here we are, Sunday morning. Because here you're going to continue to hear truth and perspective, have opportunity to participate in all the ways that that includes. Repenting of sin, rejecting rejection, agreeing with God on shame, putting on the armor of God, whatever applies, you participating, so that freedom isn't something that just happens to you. I need to be free. Will you play for, pray for me? Okay, we pray. Oh, I feel better today. Tomorrow, I, I feel in bondage again. Will you pray for me again? Okay, we'll pray for you again. The third day, you want more. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Oh, great, great, great. We, can we pray enough? No. But freedom isn't something that just happens to you. It's something that we need to participate in. Do we earn it? No, that's not the point. Participation. And that's the best way, because then you're convinced. You're convinced. You're having a growing revelation of who you are in Christ. You're convinced you're having a growing revelation of the authority of Christ you have in you. So that when somebody's praying with you, you're praying in agreement. You're agreeing with God with them. Now, there may be times of faint heartedness, inability, whatever. We need each other. Receive, receive, receive. But also participate, participate, participate. What is the antithesis of duplicity? I think contrasts are helpful as far as definition. What something is and what it is not. On the opposite, the, the opposite number, the antithesis of duplicity is integrity. Integrity is a quality or state of being of sound moral principle, uprightness, honesty, and insin- sincerity. Completing Christ ministries <laughs> is a ministry of integrity because integrity has to do with strength of character, wholeness, a person being whole. What does it mean to be whole? Whole completing Christ, maturing, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing who you are, knowing why you're here, knowing where you're going, with confidence, with Christ's confidence. Nothing to prove, rather give than receive, though free to receive, live to give, love to love, live for the glory of God and for the benefit of the others, not always on your mind, He is always on our mind. And since we are always on His mind, then that becomes the place of intimacy. Integrity. Completing Christ Ministries is a ministry of integrity. Strength. You know, so often we refer to it as a a character issue, but a bridge needs to have integrity. (laughs) Whether it's the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco or, or a lesser bridge, it needs to have strength to hold. Something that's supporting something in a building, a bridge, what have you, needs to have integrity, refers to strength. In the case of of a moral application, strength of character. Upright, unbending moral straightness and integrity. Complete openness and fairness in one's dealings with others. Free from deceit and fraud. Being and living as the same person in public or private. Those that know you best, those who know you best, would, would they say you're the same person at home as you are here? Or, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, I'm just asking questions. Are you a chameleon? You know what a chameleon is, don't you? They blend into whatever environment they're in. If they're, talking to a bu- if they're meeting with a bunch of politicians, they try to talk that kind of talk. If they come to a church, they talk church talk. And, and, I, and I think you know, we need to be in, in the proper sense of integrity. We need to make connections, uh, know who our audience is, talk their language for the sake of connection without giving away who we are in the process. In other words, we are who we are, in every situation, and yet we want to make a connection. So we take an interest in what they're interested in. We try to connect with the things they like to talk about. But when it comes right down to it, we're immovable, unshakable, uncompromising. We are who we are. Is that your testimony? And more importantly, if you're married, is it the testimony of your spouse? That my husband or wife is the same person. The person that you're seeing here today in this room—that's the same person they are at home. That's the same person they are at work. Now, now of course, that same person needs to be <laughs> godly, <laughs> because it could be the same rat. <laughs> you know, it could be the same. <laughs> it could be the same selfish, abusive, prideful person. That's not what I'm talking about. In other words, the person is always the same. They're obnoxious everywhere. No, no, no. Obviously, unpredictably, I'm talking about that which is positive in the Lord's eyes, that which is pleasing to him. Integrity is the same person in every situation. Duplicity is perhaps a double life and variations thereof. What I'd like you to do at your table right now, be honest, be honest. And here's the question, and we won't take much time, so keep it moving, please don't dominate, don't hog the table, keep it moving. Leaders, keep it moving. What would the people closest to you say in terms of who you are? Are you the same person in every situation? And then coupled with that, where do you know you need to grow? Because here's, here's part of what some of you could struggle with, is, is fear. Fear of man. You may say, I want to be the same person in every situation, Steve. But you know, sometimes I'm, I'm not. Sometimes I, I give in to this pretending. Sometimes I, I give in to trying to please people and make a good impression for my sake. Not for their sake or for the sake of blessing and and relationship but it's it's because I care so much about how I'm seen and I I I'm not the same person. I'm not I'm not the guy you described first Steve who was living a double life but I can see that I'm 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 just really not totally free to be the same person in every situation. I I do this, I do that. So, here's the question. How do you see yourself real quickly in terms of duplicity and integrity and how do you how, and how do you think others closest to you see you. How do you see yourself? How do the ones closest to you see you? And it's not like we're going, this is just a beginning step into the flow here, so don't try to figure it all out, don't try to say it perfectly, just say it in a beginning way. How do you see yourself on this integrity, duplicity, continuum, and how do you think others see you? Starting now, around your tables.